When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports. And here we go. Is it a loaded program? Yes, it absolutely is. I hope you had a fantastic Christmas holiday. Hope you got all the presents you were hoping for underneath the tree. Caleb Calhoun got another sport coat. He looks fantastic. Caleb, how was your Christmas? Merry Christmas, sir. Oh, my Christmas was great. Have y'all seen Sniper Morant, baby? We are My Grizzlies are 4-0 and since he's come back. He's already Sniper. won twice as many games as the Pistons yeah. have this year. <laughs> All right, I see what he's doing there. T. Scott Jones will join us from Banks and Jones a little bit later in the program. We're going to discuss a couple of different things with him. One, it's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle, but there was this James Pierce arrest, where might that go from here? But also Florida State fighting as hard as they possibly can to get out of the ACC, and who can really blame them? So we look forward to visiting with T. Scott Jones to talk about both of those legalese type of uh, environment actions and how they could play out in the courtroom. We look forward to that. The show represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. Why Banks and Jones, other lawyers say they'll go to trial. They won't. They'll settle and settle for less. Banks and Jones is ready to go to trial for you. Truly, Tennessee's trial attorney. Why settle, banksandjones.com. Jimmy Himes joins us now. And Facebook kind of gave it away. It's Jimmy's birthday. How are you, Jimmy Himes? I'm older. Yeah, yeah, you're older, but oh, yeah. uh, you look you look fantastic. And and who you don't count the years after you retire, do you? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> this, well, here, well, here's the only good thing about getting older. 
I'm trying to shoot my age in golf. And the older I get, the better chance I have. That's true. That's true. I learned it. I learned a lot of golf from Jimmy. And one of those is shooting your age would, would be a really, really big deal. Uh, it would be for me. (laughs) Should you, but here's the question. Shouldn't you, does it, it it gets harder to bench press twice your age as you get older, right? (laughs) Lord, I wouldn't know. That'd be 400 pounds. (laughs) Well, no, I could bench press 67 pounds. Let's see, 100, uh, 100, what is that, 134? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I, I think if you can bench press just your weight, you're like top 10% top <laughs> strong. It's like weight and a half is top 1%. So, man, uh, Caleb's starting the ball, uh, the bar pretty high up there. Well, uh, happy birthday, and how was your Thanksgiving, Jimmy? Oh, well, sorry, my, your Christmas. My Christmas was wonderful. It was the first opportunity to spend it with my grandson, who turned one December the 23rd. And so while he was around for last Christmas, he was two days old. This time he had an opportunity to enjoy the presents and to be with a lot of family. And Christmas to me is a lot about being with family. I had a terrific Christmas. Uh, really enjoyed it. My daughter from New York was in town. We had a lot of family over, so it was a lot of fun. That is that is awesome. Uh, speaking of traveling, want to get your thoughts on this right off the get go, and that is the Citrus Bowl, uh, brought to you by Cheez It. Seems to lack a little bit of crunch with some Tennessee fans that I hear from on Facebook and more. Now, I think some of that is the question around the quarterback play, and we'll discuss that. But first, what is your sense of the excitement level for Tennessee? in the citrus bowl because if if i had to put it on a scale of one to ten i'd be somewhere around i think a a six based off the people i talk to but everybody's different i'm in that same range Uh, i don't hear a whole lot of excitement about it um it was a little bit of a disappointing season for a lot of folks coming off an 11 win season that you should not have expected another 11 win season but i also think there were some folks that were um uh, bothered by the fact Tennessee went to Florida and laid an egg again. They lost uh, handily to Missouri. They weren't competitive against Georgia. Uh, so I think those are some of the things that, that have made more folks wonder about Tennessee and Josh Heupel. I'm still very confident in Heupel. Uh, but um, I, don't, I don't sense the excitement. Look, there's nothing like the excitement of Tennessee when they went to the Orange Bowl a year ago. There's no comparison to that. So I think on a 1-10 to 10 scale, about a, a 6 is, is pretty accurate. Now, Having said that, I just wonder how many Tennessee fans are actually going to be in Orlando. I mean, if they've got 25,000 folks down there, then then I'm wrong. There's a lot more excitement about it than I anticipate. But I, I don't think Tennessee will travel that well. No, I don't either, Caleb. Jimmy, uh, I was kind of going through Citrus Bowl history, and it was a little more skewed towards Tennessee. I, I will say that when I was going through it. But – you know, in the 90s, I mean, the Citrus Bowl matchup, you had, what, uh, number four Tennessee play a number two Ohio State in 1996. And then you had Tennessee the next year play the Big Ten champs in Northwestern. You had them go play Michigan in 2002. And then I look at this game and I'm like, it's an eight and four Tennessee team that is firmly the sixth best team in the SEC. There are five clear-cut teams that finished ahead of them this year against the, yeah, Big Ten West champion, but a team in Iowa that we all know would have gone six and six if they played in the Big Ten East. Is this the worst Citrus Bowl matchup of all time in terms of just quality of teams in the Citrus Bowl? No, I I don't know about all time. I mean, you got to remember the Citrus Bowl used to be the Tangerine Bowl. This thing goes back to the 60s, okay? 
and they were getting 500. They were getting barely above 500 teams sometimes. Now, they, they renamed it from the Tangerine Bowl to the Citrus Bowl, but Caleb, to say it's the worst all time, I, I, I couldn't make that statement because I don't remember the history of some of the teams that played when they started this bowl game. Uh, if you want to go the last 20 to 25 years, I think you've got a pretty good argument uh, that it is. You got you got an eight and four team versus uh, an incredibly boring 10 win Big Ten team that I agree with you. If they had been in the other division in the Big Ten, they're a 500 team. I, I don't think I was very good. So that I think that hurts the appeal. You got a, a boring defensive team that can't score against a Tennessee team that's slightly underachieved. The birthday boy, Jimmy Himes, joins us now. Hit that like and subscribe button if you're happy for Jimmy's birthday. How about that? So <laughs> go ahead and do that. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Hit the notification so you can hit the latest. And by the way, Caleb's uh, pieces, his history pieces, are fantastic. So he dropped uh, another one of those on the uh, anti-SEC or pro-SEC bias, depending on how you want to look at it. Portions of the program brought to you by Don Self. Customer service still matters. State Farm agent Don Self and his team take customer service very seriously in the greater Chattanooga area. He's your State Farm dealer for over 40 years. DonSelf.net, DonSelf.net, or call 423-396-2126. It's right below 423-396-2126, DonSelf.net. Uh, I think uh, part of the reason, Jimmy, that uh, fans aren't as excited maybe about this bowl is you know a lot more than you used to going into a bowl game with the information age that we're, that we're in and people can legally gamble. They know what they spread the spread is. They know they do their homework. They, uh, they know they've got a Tennessee team that's facing an Iowa team that's great on defense and has a punter that's about to set records. So, I don't know that even Don King with a questionable quarterback <laughs> position for Tennessee could could sell the sizzle on this matchup. What about you? Yeah, it would be hard to do that. Uh, and, like, if you're a Tennessee fan, you're an Iowa fan, okay, there's some interest. But if you take it outside of that realm, I mean, who really cares? I, I'll be curious to see what the ratings will be for this game. I don't think they'll be very good. Although I know college football is extraordinarily popular. I get that. But I, I don't. I think more and more as we see the college football playoff and then when we expand it to 12 starting next year, uh, these other games are going to be, in the minds of most fans, meaningless. Now, you could argue that for years they've been meaningless. If, you, if, you're, if your gauge is, if you're not playing for a championship, they're meaningless. I get that. I'm not necessarily in that camp. I do think there are times when it's meaningful to get to 11 wins or to get into the top 10, or to even be a top 25 team if you hadn't been there in a while. So I think there can be some meaning attached to it. But I think with the college football playoff now and then expanding, I think these bowl games will have more difficulty drawing eyeballs on TV. Yep. Yeah, Jimmy, I was – I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Kev. Yeah, Jimmy, I, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, you're seeing, um, obviously, Florida State having all these opt-outs for an undefeated team mm -hmm. and a – yeah. And what should be a legendary matchup that now I think might be a 45 point win in favor of Georgia. But uh, I do we have to give Nick Saban credit for this? I mean, didn't Nick Saban say five years ago, 10 years ago when the playoff started, he said, guys, if you start this playoff, they can't coexist with the bowl games. You can't have both. And is it just on a broader scale thing and beyond Tennessee? Isn't college football trying to have its cake and eat it too right now by enjoying the. Hmm whole all the festivities of the bowl 
process, but also having the playoff. And aren't they going to hit a point where they have to choose between the two? I don't think they have to choose between the two, and here's why. When I look at all these bowls, and I cannot tell you all the names of these bowls because I can't, I don't know who's exactly sponsoring the Gasparillo Bowl or the <laughs> whatever. It used to be a weed eater bowl. So I think you're still going to see those sponsors still pour some money into having a bowl game. Okay. So I don't think if your suggestion is you're just going to completely get rid of the bowl games, I don't think that'll happen. I just think it makes them less attractive, less meaningful. And so I, I think that's what's going to happen. Now, I still – I've had this discussion with a lot of people. Are there too many bowls? Do I think there are too many bowls? I do. But you know what? If I don't like a bowl matchup, I don't have to watch it. So – and to be honest with you, I don't watch a lot of them. <laughs> there are a bunch of bowls that just don't attract my attention. I wasn't real excited about Texas State versus Rice. Imagine that. So – <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that there's diminishing returns, there's diminishing interest in it, but I don't think that the college football playoff will totally wipe out uh, the college football having bowl games. Now, I do wonder what happens to this type of bowl with a 12-team playoff. I'm not saying specifically the Citrus Bowl, but with this type of bowl, Jimmy, that is just slightly outside the 12-team realm and what happens to this? Because we do go to our, our YouTube message board for our poll question today. Today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. As for the Citrus Bowl, 69% say I'm psyched. Uh, 19% said not psyched, but I'll watch. And 12% said Netflix, Netflix, anyone. So people that tune into this channel obviously are big Tennessee fans, so they're still psyched, uh, even though the matchup might not be as, as sexy as, as you might think. But... Uh, Jimmy, I think part of the reason that people are unpsyched or psyched or whatever they are is there doesn't seem to be a 100% answer of who's going to be playing quarterback the majority of the time for Tennessee. What are your thoughts on that, and, and, and what are you hearing? And then I want to go through some other guys that are going to opt out before we get to today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. What I've heard is that Joe Milton is going to start. What I've also heard – is that Tennessee is going to try to work Nico into the game rather early. Uh, that could be the third series. It could be the fourth series. It could be early in the second quarter. I've heard they might be looking at doing that. Uh, I'm not convinced that's going to be the case because that has not been Josh Heifel's M.O. as Tennessee's head coach. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, if Heifel sticks with um, Joe Milton as long as he can, uh, he, look, he wants to win the game. And if he thinks putting in Nico at a time when Tennessee is up, I don't know, 10 to three, and he's worried about a mistake leading to an Iowa touchdown, he might be a little bit reluctant. So to be honest with you, I don't know which way they're going to go. Um, but I would, I would lean toward them starting Joe Milton and then getting Nico in in the second half. But again, that's just based on what I think Heupel's history has been with his players. You, about wins well but i have heard from several people that josh heupel does care a lot about stats and huh? and what what he's able to put up in terms of numbers the tennessee this might be tennessee's highest rated offense since 1983 or, or whatever those those sorts of things so that being said he might want joe milton to go out there and have a stat filled day if they do that before they turn to nico i don't think that's what tennessee fans are hoping for no, I think you're right. And I think they want to see Nico earlier. Uh, whether 
again, whether uh, Heupel does that or not, obviously he didn't do it all, all season. And there are times that I thought Heupel could have, should have put in Nico a little bit earlier in the game. That was either a one-sided game in Tennessee's favor or against Tennessee. <coughs> and, and he just didn't, he just didn't play him in those situations. So, I just don't know that Hypo views a bowl game much different than that. Maybe he does. Maybe he's looking at playing toward next year, but he does not strike me as that kind of a coach. So uh, while I have heard that they're going to try to work Nico in in the first half, I'm not 100% convinced that they will. Interesting. Yeah, I, I and I just want to address people that say there's too many bowl games. I actually disagree with the concept of too many bowl games. Okay, that doesn't devalue the top bowl games that still exist. Okay, if like it's not like Jimmy said, if you don't want to watch the lesser bowl games, don't watch them. I watch them all because I don't want to miss things like who saw last week's comeback in both Western Kentucky against Old Dominion. That was a game, guys. That's why bull season. <laughs> oh, Western Kentucky was down by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Came oh, back. Oh, I know. I know what happened. I just, I just didn't invest my time to watch it. That is what makes bulls <laughs> worth watching, even the meaningless ones. Keep them. I okay. love them. I don't care. And you know what? That doesn't devalue the elite bowls that teams go to. It's they're still elite bowls. Like that doesn't make them any less. It's not like it's not like teams are choosing between. Oh, am I going to go to the Gasparilla Bowl or the Orange Bowl? I can't figure that one out, guys. That's not how this is working, guys. So. I'm totally fine with the elite bulls, but yeah, I think, um, I think it's totally fine. Jim- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, I wanted to move on a little bit and ask you about, because we just talked about Nico and Joe, but I wanted to talk further into opt-outs. For breaking news, Jabari Small is going to opt out of this bowl game. It seems as if Tennessee is dealing with more opt-out slash transfers than Iowa is in this game. Is that a fair assessment mm-hmm. going in? Uh, based on what I've uh, – yes, th- I believe that to be true. I haven't seen nearly as much movement at Iowa. So does that – how much of a concern is that for Tennessee? Or do you think just from a talent depth perspective, are they should they still be significantly better than Iowa? Uh, I think it's a concern. Uh, look, I, I wasn't a big fan of Tennessee's secondary, but if you take seven guys out of their rotation in the secondary, I mean, could Iowa pop a long pass against them and there's a bust in the secondary and some no-name receivers left 20 yards wide open? Sure. So, yes, I think that's a concern. I think that Dylan Sampson can help overcome the running back situation not having right and small. However – now, you, now Cam Sellinger back up. What if Samson gets nicked up? Now where are you? So the potential for the lack of having a, a really proven running back in this game is there because your depth has been shredded by two players opting out. Uh, so the concern to me would be the depth at running back and all the defensive backs that have left, which makes it – this is that's been an equalizer, in my opinion, for this game. It makes it a lot, much more difficult game for Tennessee to win. Yeah, um, as as far as the secondary, uh, certainly I, I think that is a real concern. Getting back to the running backs, when we talk about uh, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright opting out, 
I think I understand the reasoning for both or not, not, not opting out, but leaving to go all together pro. Um, I, I see the reasoning for both Jimmy. And I've seen a lot of spring practice players do well at the running back position that didn't pan out. Should Tennessee be concerned at the running back positions with, if they have, if they go to the next season without both of those guys? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm going to say yes to that. Now, I think Samson is uh, exceptional. I think he's really good. But Cam Seldon's unproven. And with, with Jalen Wright, you had one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, with uh, Jabari Small, you had a good running back. Not great, not elite, but he was a good, dependable running back. You take those two out of the equation, and now it's Samson, and uh, who's not very big, by the way, and, uh, and Cam Seldon. Uh, yeah, I think that is a bit of a concern. Now, they've got a, a really good running back coming in in high school. You can make, and we all know you can make an impact as a freshman running back in the SEC or anywhere else in college football. Is Peyton Lewis that good? I don't know. Is the Alabama running back they got that's uh, the redshirted this year? Is he going to be able to help? I don't know. But, yeah, I think there's a drop at running back when you lose right and small. And, and I don't know, is small going to go pro or is he going to transfer to Ole Miss where everybody else is going? You know, what's going to go on with him? I don't know for sure. Well, can I ask real quick about the Lane Kiffin factor? Because, (laughs) boy, I mean, it was just a year ago he was complaining about not having enough money to spend. And and he even, I thought, was gigging Tennessee kind of over the break. It might have gotten lost. But at one point he tweeted out a picture that while he was recruiting from within Tennessee's Mm -hmm. athletic department, I'm not sure how he did that. And then he sent out tweets repeatedly that was just to remind everybody he was in in Knoxville. Jimmy, what was your take on that? Yeah, it's it's typical Lane Kiffin gigging whomever. He there was a picture of him at uh the airport uh in, in uh, Knoxville, Knoxville area, uh where they fly in their private planes, TAC is what they call it. So yeah, uh yeah, that was a bit of a gig at Tennessee. And then for him to get uh, two, well, one really good player from Tennessee and another decent player. Uh, that's just more salt in the wounds from Lane Kiffin. But when you look at what they've been able to get, Walter Nolan, that's that's another player Tennessee wanted. I was told they were never really in the hunt. But, yeah, he is. Uh, he's done a terrific job in the portal and at Tennessee's expense. Gotcha. Jimmy, I got to um... – I got to hold your feet to the fire a little bit because you talked about the concerns of Tennessee not having its seven secondary guys. You did acknowledge that Tennessee secondary wasn't that good to begin with, mm-hmm. but you did not acknowledge that yes, Tennessee secondary, uh, not only was it not that good to begin with, but I don't think Iowa can throw on a high school secondary. I mean, <laughs> and they're, they have their backup quarterback, Deacon Hill. Their leading receiver is was their tight end, Eric All. He had 299 yards on the year, and he's not playing in the game because he got hurt midway through the season. So does Tennessee even need to put a secondary back there? Couldn't they just put some linebackers back there? And should Iowa be able to throw for over 100 yards in this game? Hey, Caleb, those guys are on scholarship too. Okay, let's not forget that. They're on scholarship, and their quarterback (laughs) completed 49% of his passes. So what's wrong with that? Hey, I'm I'm going to back just a second. Jimmy phrased it perfectly earlier. He said that one play. I mean, this could be a 20 to 17, 20 to 16 game. So if there's one play given up in that Tennessee secondary, I mean, Caleb, nobody's going to throw for 380 yards in this game, I don't think. But, Jimmy, the way you phrased it, I thought it was perfect. That one play 
like an Arian Foster fumble could yeah. potentially could could flip a game. I would expect Tennessee to have uh, several busts in the secondary. Now they did they had busts even with some veterans. I get that, but but there's more potential when you're playing a bunch of guys that haven't been playing. So I can see Iowa having a from time to time not not 40 snaps, but two three plays where they've got somebody running open. Can the quarterback hit them? I don't know, but I could see a few busts in that Tennessee secondary because of the youth there. So and in a low scoring game that could be impactful. Caleb. I'm just saying, <laughs> yes, Iowa's receivers and quarterback is on scholarship, but Tennessee's remaining secondary players are also still on scholarship. Barely. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, I will say, <laughs> Iowa borders Nebraska. Jimmy, you weren't on the show last Friday, but I asked Fred, and um, there is suspicion that those Nebraska teams in the 90s were on roids, so maybe Iowa will try that when they play Tennessee this weekend and catch everybody off guard, but, you know, it's <laughs> uh, gotta, otherwise. They're corn-fed. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's some magic corn. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go back to what I think is uh, breaking news to some extent. Um, and, and that is uh, Jimmy hearing that Nico will play in, in the first half in meaningful snaps. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not a sports information director um, and I'm not a publicity guy, but I hear they just hired one. And I hear the other guy likes to tweet out all kinds of stuff about records over the past five years. Uh, why don't they tweet out the fact that Nico could be playing in the first half? And I guarantee you they would sell out every ticket in that allotment, Jim. Um, because I don't think Josh Heupel wants that out there. Okay. I don't, I don't think he wants to play his hand about against Iowa and let them have any advantage to it. Now I, I will say this, and I haven't even checked on this. My guess is that Tennessee has sold its allotment. The question is, how many thousands of fans will they get? I mean, that, I remember in Jacksonville uh, in, in 2016, was it, that they played Iowa? Um, uh, 2014 was when they played Iowa. Butch Jones' first bowl. Okay, was okay, but the bowl game was 2015, right? 2014 season? Yeah. Is that 2014 right? season, okay. 2015 bowl. Yeah. yeah. I, I was stunned at how many thousands of Tennessee fans were there. And, and I was stunned that, that, that before the game, they lined up in the parking lot and formed a vol walk for Tennessee players that got off the bus. Now, I don't expect to see that in Orlando, uh, but it's been more than 20 years, right, since Tennessee's been in Orlando. So maybe some Tennessee fans are excited about going back to Orlando, taking the kids to Magic Kingdom and doing all that Disney experience. Um, but I, I don't see them having that big of a crowd. Look, I'd be surprised if they have anything less than about 15,000 down there, but I don't think they'll get twenty five or 30000 based on the interest level I have been hearing locally. Well, one dis one big distinction between 2014 and now is that in 2014, that was Tennessee's best season in about five, since Lane Kiffin had been there. Um, that was their first bowl appearance in four years. The program still thought it was on the rise under Butch Jones. And, you know, I think Butch Jones probably sold it like they won a national championship by going to the Gator Bowl at six and six. But I think oh, that they got a the banner, point. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He probably ordered rings for them. Gator I wouldn't be banner. surprised if you. <laughs> That's right. Gator Bowl rings. <laughs> Go ahead and hit that uh, like and subscribe button. As I want to remind you, uh, today's tough question, it's on our YouTube page. You can vote now. As for the Citrus Bowl, I'm psyched. Leads 71%. Not psyched, but I watched 21%. <clears throat> Netflix, anyone gets seven percent of the vote uh we appreciate jimmy himes joining us on his birthday 
and portions of the program brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Over 40 years of experience right there in East Tennessee and Knoxville, andymasonrealestate.com. Best service, best prices in the biz, andymasonrealestate.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jimmy, the old Miss um, situation, the success that Lane Kiffin is having is nothing store, short of uh, staggering, in my opinion. I'd heard through the grapevine that that was his main issue, is that with NIL, he wouldn't have enough to compete with the Alabamas and Georgias and Tennessees if he needed to do that, yet he is doing it. What do you think of what he's been able to accomplish in the transfer uh, portal at this point? Well, I'm very surprised. Uh, I was also surprised a year ago when he got two quarterbacks to transfer in, right? Including the guy from Oklahoma State who couldn't get on the field because Jackson Dart was playing well. Uh, Apparently, Kiffin's message about needing more money got out there. So they they have to be some boosters that have ponied up to be able to pay these guys uh, to go to Ole Miss. And I, I don't follow it as close as I used to, but is there a team in the country that's had better success in the portal with more impactful players than Ole Miss? I, I don't know that there has been one. Maybe so, but I don't know who that is. I guess one thing, you, you could probably Google Colorado and see what Deion Sanders is doing uh, in the portal. But um, the, of the players I'm familiar with, they've done a very good job. Their defense has been bolstered by two really good players in Nolan and Barron. Uh, they've got an outstanding receiver. I, I just, I've been, I've been stunned that Ole Miss has been this successful in the portal, and I think it sets Ole Miss up to have an, uh, another outstanding year next year. Well, uh, Caleb, Jimmy, kudos to him. He, he said, Caleb, he said he needed the money last year, and he he got it this year. So kudos to to Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got a take on this, and I want to know what y'all's thoughts are because I, I, I it's, a, it's kind of a, I, I think it's a unique take, but. It kind of, I thought, I think Link Kiffin has taken an awfully huge risk by pushing Ole Miss to do what they're doing. And here's why Lane Kiffin probably, and Dave, you talked to me last week about how Lane Kiffin would probably be gunning for the Florida or Florida State job or any of those better jobs that open in a heartbeat if they opened up. I thought Lane Kiffin was in a good situation where if he's having eight to 10 to wins at Ole Miss, sneaking in an 11 1 year here and there, that eventually a better job with a more a more blue blood program job where it's easier to win it would open up. Well, because he's gotten all this talent in the transfer portal and he's pushed Ole Miss to do it through NIL, I think he's extremely spiked expectations for next year. Meaning if he doesn't deliver Mm -hmm. next year, his profile and his marketability to bigger jobs collapses completely. And it may be hard to deliver next year because we talked to Fred on set on Friday and Fred White even told us, he said, Look, they're getting a lot of talent, but I mean, there's still a chemistry and bonding factor in football. And I haven't seen a team make a big splash in college football in terms of wins and losses yet when it's entirely built through the transfer portal. So is this a big gamble on just Link Kiffin on his personal future prospects and what he wants for himself by doing this? I would take the gamble. 
I would. You would take the gamble? I would. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is Ole Miss not had two 10-win seasons in the last three years? They've had two in the last three years, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Even if he wins eight next year, if and, and I'm a big program, I'm looking at what he did at Ole Miss and saying I'd, I'd like to take that guy. But, yeah, I would rather take the risk of building up expectations and having outstanding players than having average players and having lower expectations and then winning seven or eight games. So I'm, I would, I would take the risk at Lane Kiffin. Now, now here's the, here's the thing that's going to happen. Also, I would think if he does get, let's, say, let's just say Florida fires Napier and he, and, and Kiffin goes to Florida, Ole Miss is in trouble, right? I mean, the, the, the well will run dry at that point because they, he is, he is uh, banked on the transfer portal and, He's been able to attract people there, and I think the Ole Miss talent level is going to drop significantly when Kiffin leaves because he's not building a program. He's trying to build a team each year. It's a great point. There's no equity in in what he's building. Tennessee fans know that, but with the current landscape, it's it's even more so. I want to ask you about the, the Florida job because I, I went out on a limb, and I think that he will be Florida's next head coach, and we're talking about a – team that still has a head coach. So before I get to that, uh, Jimmy's appearance brought to you in part by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Imagine having the best spas made right here in the U.S. in your backyard. Dynasty Pools and Spas has their showroom in Athens with the best hot tubs and spas on the market. They've got delivery, ton of discounts for first responders, military, and some blemish models that can save you thousands. DynastySpas.com. DynastySpas.com. If if he does leave Ole Miss at any point, you're right. He's building a team. But, I, I, Jimmy, I'm sure you heard the same things. I heard he wanted the LSU job. I heard he wanted the Auburn job. I mean, what can you do if you're Ole Miss and you really like Lane Kiffin to keep him? I think it's just a matter of time till he goes somewhere. But you, but you know that program way better than me. Well, actually, I heard differently about Auburn. Uh, I heard he didn't okay. want the Auburn job because of the – um, boosters, the rogue boosters, the the split, the front, the the friction that he had there. So I I'd heard that LSU, yeah, but they didn't. They were looking in another direction to go get uh, uh, Brian Kelly, and I get that. Uh, I do think that Kiffin is um, his star has risen considerably, and I'll be honest with you. I, for years, I thought this is a really good offensive mind, a really good offensive coordinator, play caller who's not necessarily a good head coach. But if you win ten games at Ole Miss, two out of three years then I've got to retract that. He's a pretty good head coach if you're able to do that. So I, I give him some credit for that. I do think there's uh, that he has um, increased his stock. I mean, you remember he got fired on the tarmac at USC, right? And he was kind of damaged goods, and then Saban helped rehabilitate him, and now he's done a nice job at some of the other programs he's been at. So I think he's going to be a really hot commodity um, next year. Because I think he well, he may even be after <laughs> some point this year, which might occur. But I think if he has a really good team next year, which I think he will, because he's going to have his quarterback in place and a better defense, I think he is going to be one of the hottest commodities in college football. Caleb, I know you're going to jump in here, but let me ask you, Jimmy, if if he could have a if if Florida's administration could have a Marty McFly moment where they hop in the DeLorean, go 88 miles an hour, and go back in time and take that little card that says Billy Napier and replace it with Lane Kiffin, whether it be right at the two years ago, would they do that? Yeah. Yeah, I think they would. 
Yeah. I don't even think it's uh, close. Yeah, and, and Napier Napier has the reputation of being a really good recruiter. Look, I, I wasn't that impressed with that hire anyway, but he had the reputation of being a really good recruiter. And But it doesn't do you any good to be a really good recruiter and lose uh, Etienne to Georgia, right? So – uh, and then and then he lost one of his best pass rushers to Ole Miss. So I I um I think uh, Napier is um, he's on the hottest one of the one of the two or three coaches in the SEC that's on the hottest of hot seats entering next year. But guys, Florida wouldn't hire Lane Kiffin because as uh oh did we lose Jimmy? I think we lost Jimmy. Go ahead. I was just going to say that Florida wouldn't hire Lane Kiffin because we know from their Urban Meyer era that Florida really genuinely cares about character and decency among its players and its athletes. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, what that. I was, what I was going to say, and I know Jimmy's uh, I don't, I don't know what's happened here, but um, I do just want to point out that Lane Kiffin's marketability. And this is kind of my take though, Dave, and this is where I'm at. Don't you think he, so we both agree Lane Kiffin's long-term goal is probably the Florida job, right? Lane Kiffin, let's just say he wants the Florida job next year, right? Gunning for Billy Napier's job. Well, Dave, do you think he would have been more marketable for the Florida job had he had eight wins next year with the team he already had at Ole Miss? Or if he has 10 wins with the current team? I think eight wins with the team he currently, I think eight wins with the team he would have had would have made him more marketable because now he's got expectations where, if he doesn't win a national championship or at least go to the get to the final four next year, people are going to ask him, well, why should I hire you? You had all this talent and you couldn't make the final four next year. Don't you think that's going to hurt his case when he's trying to get the Florida job next year? Well, you and I are in two completely different places. So I'm one that thinks that he is ready to go and he is, he is ready to play or he is, he is ready to coach at a big program, either in the NFL or uh, in in college football, if that's Florida, whoever that might be, if it's Ohio State, if it's Michigan. So you and I are in two very different places. No, I'm there so. with you. I'm actually there with you. Okay. What I was well, saying so is, wouldn't he be? Wouldn't he have been more marketable for one of those bigger jobs had he had eight wins with this team, with the original team, as opposed to ten wins with all this new talent? Wouldn't he be a better sell with eight wins with less talent? Uh, very true. Jobs? We've got some breaking news. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. It looks like we have a situation. Uh, Tennessee's quarterback situation may be settled. So you give me two minutes. We're going to come back and visit about that. I'm still gathering things in. But according to the headline that I'm seeing, uh, Nico Iamaleva set to begin as Joe Milton passes the torch, opts out of the Citrus Bowl. This has been something we have been on top of the whole time. I told you this was an issue among his teammates. Uh, th this is uh, a big thing for Tennessee in moving forward, and I'm going to tell you why. Be able to share a lot of things that I haven't been able to to this point. So hang tight. Give me two minutes. Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Nico is your starter, apparently, according to On3. Two minutes off the hook sports. Sand and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. 
Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee Vol collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. Okay, so this is the report according to On3. Certainly want to give Brenton Hubs his uh, due credit. It's the first I saw it. I believe Chris Lowe has confirmed confirmed it. But Aniko uh, Iamaleva will be your starter. The era has officially arrived on January the 1st. No Joe Milton um, as Milton has opted out of the uh, matchup against Iowa. Perhaps it was a holiday or whatever the case may be. Let's bring Jimmy Himes uh, back in here because uh, Jimmy's uh, actually got knocked out. So I want to get his take on this uh, Nico thing if can, Jimmy. And it's his birthday, too. There he is. He's looking. He's working hard. He's like Adam Schefter pecking away at the phone. Can Jimmy hear us? I don't think Jimmy can hear us right now. So we'll go back to him in a second. How big is this, Caleb, for Tennessee? Um, And moving forward. Uh, let's start with the pragmatics of it. Tennessee can now get ready for an Iowa team at um, at full go, full steam ahead. That was not the case last week. Uh, I know a lot of you guys think I uh, hate on Joe too much. His dad apparently thinks so on our YouTube message board. But last week he needed to let his teammates, he needed to let his team know. That's why we reported on it so heavily. They didn't know last week so now you can go in there and really focus not only on nico but his backup which i would expect to be gastamore this decision needed to be made before now but if the best you can do is take it on the 20 now 27th i guess we're good so uh go ahead caleb and um give me your thoughts on pragmatically getting ready for the hawkeyes so pragmatically i believe and this is going to be my hot take is that I think Joe, I think Josh Heupel kind of told Joe that he was going to start Nico in the bowl game, no matter what. And Joe opted out to save face to not, to not be benched in this bowl game. Now, before we get to that, as far well, as I'm not, I, hold on, hold on. I don't, I don't think he was promised that he would start. I don't think anybody was promised. I don't think Nico was promised he would start. I think even the concept that he's going to play real snaps might have turned Joe Milton off. And we had Jimmy Himes say earlier 
that he thought that was a possibility. But I don't think he went and said he's going to start. That might have turned Joe Milton off. You're right. But there was – I don't think I, – I don't think this is just Joe – put it this way, Dave. I don't think this is just Joe deciding to opt out because he's just fully because he think op, opting out is his best move. I think there was a getting limited action in the game. You're right, maybe being pulled for Nico for some snaps. I think all of that had to do with Joe opting out. I could be wrong. That's speculation on my end. But the timing of his decision, come on, it's a little bit sketchy, isn't it, the timing of the decision? Just a little no, bit. I think, I think it's what we reported the whole time, and that he was just a man who didn't know what he wanted to do. Jimmy Himes uh, does join us now. We had some connection issues. Jimmy, I appreciate you making some extra time for us. Now the uh, news is out. Uh, Nico Ia Maliava will not play, or will play, as Joe Milton will opt out. Um, talk about ticket sales. They might get a little spike today. Yeah, they might. Um, I don't know how many Tennessee fans are going to up and say, hey, now I'm going to leave Knoxville or whatever and go down to Orlando. The, the thing about Milton, he was practicing with the team, right? So you would uh, – I don't – Jabari Small didn't practice with the team, and, and he's opted out. So it's kind of odd, and I'm kind of in Caleb's corner on this. It's odd now that he's opting out. But it also lends credence to what I'd heard earlier where Tennessee – was looking at playing Nico in the first half or early. So I could see a scenario where Josh Hyper went to Joe Milton and said, hey, Joe, we're going to play Nico in the third series of this game. And Joe's like, wait a minute, this is my team. I've been the starter all year. I'm going back to my home city here. Uh-uh. So I could see where Joe balked at that. And Tennessee said, well, okay. But I something else had to transpire. Because why else are you practicing for the bowl game and then you opt out now? So that the timing to uh, the timing is sketchy to me also. Okay, so everything you're all saying is a hundred percent correct. But here's what I was hearing last week. It was that he was still legitimately unsure. Mm -hmm. That's in most cases, Jimmy, you and I have gone through these things before. That would be the least likely of the two scenarios. But in this particular case, given the fact that he's been unsure on the field, I don't have a problem believing it's as simple as a young man couldn't make up his mind. It could be. Uh, which, I guess this is a cynic in me. Didn't we all question his decision-making as a quarterback? Yes. And now like he's got another... Now he's making a decision that seems to be a bit odd in that uh, it probably should have been made sooner than this. Uh, so it, it could very well be that he was having trouble making up his mind. Okay, so what made up his mind? What finally made it up? That's that's where I'm leaning toward. There was a conversation with the coach saying Nico's going to play early and Joe Balk. So th that's that's kind of what I believe. I don't know that for a fact. But it's what I believe, because something had to happen for Milton to say, I'm not going to play, right? And what was that? It could be possible that Dave's point is true, which is that he was unsure. But Josh Heifel finally came up to him yesterday and was like, look, I can't wait any longer. You haven't been sure, so I'm just going with Nico because I can't wait on you to make this decision. And it's possible it worked out like that, honestly, mm -hmm. because, yeah. I mean, you know, I you kind of got to go in with it. Now the question is, if there was a situation where – what you and I thought initially, Jimmy, which is that Joe heard Nico was going to play and balked at it. 
Now, does this become a big issue for the bowl game itself? Doesn't this somewhat split the team in the Citrus Bowl? There might be some people in that locker room that may feel Joe was wronged. I mean, we don't think that, but, you know, could that be an issue in the locker room headed into the bowl game against Iowa? Yes, because regardless of what some people outside the locker room thought, I think Joe Milton had the locker room. I believe that. And, and I think that the players rallied around him in spite of some of the mistakes, in spite of some of the inconsistency. Uh, I think the players really liked him. And so, uh, yes, that, uh, that could create an issue in the locker room. Jimmy, uh, you've been very, very gracious with your time. I really appreciate it, especially with the, uh, the breaking news. And happy birthday. I got you pegged for about uh, 42 years old. So we're still in the, the youth of our lives. Uh, but uh, have a fantastic- I'll never shoot my age. Have a fantastic birthday the rest of the Christmas season. Enjoy the uh, young one. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Happy holidays to you. You Take care, Dave. Take care, Caleb. Jimmy Himes is fantastic, and he he breaks uh, down upcoming games and gives us a prediction throughout the season. We'll have more with him. Great basketball breakdown, too, on offthehooksports.com. I I would be 100% with you guys in any other situation from the outside looking in. I think this was not – so the question we're asking, was this precipitated by something that happened with Tennessee's coaching and or game preparation? You're saying basically it did. They came to Joe and they said, something's happening, you're not playing as uh, as much. Joe said, kick rocks. So Joe said, I'm leaving. Um, If that's the case, and we are speculating, how bad would that hurt his, his legacy at Tennessee, or would it? No, I don't think it. I think Joe's legacy is what it is. He's a Jimmy Streeter type quarterback that wasn't great, but everybody respects because he stuck it out. Um, my theory wouldn't necessarily disprove your theory, Dave. You could be right that he was totally unsure of what was going on. And then maybe the coaches said kick rocks. Maybe the coaches were like, we're tired of you waiting. So we're going with Nico period end of story. Or at least said, listen, maybe that I think here's my theory. I'm telling you, this is my theory. I've not heard this. I do know the team was getting frustrated. I will tell you that 100%. That's not a theory. The team was getting frustrated by not knowing who the quarterback was going to be. I will tell you that some of the people, if Mika, if I'm sorry, Joe was in any shape, form, or fashion forced out, as we're implying, that that could blow up in, in the locker room. There's no question about that. But my theory is, listen, Joe, uh, my name is Josh Heupel. Let us know something by the time we land in Orlando, right? And his dad, in case you didn't read the story, is still posting on YouTube that his son's unsure. So that was on our YouTube channel. We wrote that. I know Christmas gets everybody in kind of a crazy days when news comes in, but we wrote that last week. I think he was unsure. I think he couldn't give them an answer. This is me speculating. Couldn't give them an answer when they landed in Orlando. And yeah, Ten, ten, Josh Heupel said, listen, if it's that difficult for you to make up your mind, it's probably a wrong decision for you to play. You, we've all had our like, parents or paternal figures say something like that, right, Caleb? I think that's essentially where this came from. If you're that unsure about it, just move on. There's no shame in moving on. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, I could see that's exactly how it went down. I agree. And it's it's a clean break from everybody. If that's how it went down then I do a 180 from what I just suggested and said, maybe the team will be rallying now. Maybe they'll be excited. I mean, it, well, it, and, it's and I think it's, I think it's important to note that Jacob Warren here, I wasn't even asking a question in that regard. 
And he said earlier, this is two weeks ago, that's uh, the Vol Report brought to you by Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. He said at the time, he said, it'd be exciting to play with the kid is what he called him. And said, I wasn't even going in that direction. And he offered that up. And uh, that was brought to you by our friends at Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Han LASIK. Also, cataract surgery, regular eye examinations. Uh, Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Han enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination, cctis.com. So maybe he finally saw the the future. And the future is Nico. Uh, the question I have is the future, should it have been before this point? Um, perhaps, but Tennessee fans certainly have a reason to get up early and fight through that New Year's Eve hangover and watch a guy named Nico take his first real snaps in college football. That, to me, changes this game tremendously on its likability factor. It does. It does. It's a huge, it's a huge deal. Um, I think that, I think this had Jimmy's right. I, you guys are both right. I think you're going to see plane tickets and citrus bowl tickets, uh, spike today. Probably. I mean, I just talked about like, I joked with Dave guys before the show. I hate when people break news during the show because like, I just talked about how this is going to be the worst citrus bowl of all time and the least exciting. And out of the blue, Joe Milton does this and not, not no knock on Joe Milton, but it's, it's more like seeing Nico is going to totally invigorate the fans. Is it not? So it's, you got a 180 happening here with Tennessee that I don't think anybody saw coming. And um, you're right. I think Joe, this is, this is, and by the way, Dave, you've been critical of me talking about my Nico Heisman hype next year. Are you on board yet? You think there's a chance he can get the hype that he needs in the preseason? No, as a matter of fact, I took a little bit of Christmas to think how absurd that statement was, but I can't get that time back. Um, so I'm not on board of that yet, but I would love for you to prove me wrong. It'd be great for uh, content. Um, <clears throat> I wonder too, if we're at the point where some guys couldn't see it in practice, that Nico is considerably better than Joe Milton. So at some point, I've said NIL doesn't affect you if you're the left guard and you look at the quarterback and he's making more money. You had the girlfriend in high school too. That's nothing new, right? But if you're the left guard and you look at the quarterback and repeatedly the guy that's in there with the first team is not good, as good as the other guy, players see that, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think players can see that. And I also think we talk about him having the locker room, but it's very possible if you're indecisive and practicing with the team, that's the quickest way to lose a locker room, right? Uh, I, I can't share everything I know, but yes, that was the fastest. That was the thing that was said to me. Yeah. So it's very possible. He lost the locker room because of that. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of the big story on this. I mean, look, it, it wouldn't be the first time Joe, Joe Milton had the locker room all year. It wouldn't be the first time he lost the locker room. Remember, he lost the locker room when he was named the starter two years ago by Josh Heupel. That the players were not happy about that. And you you kind of gave me more details, but I said at the time, I'm like that there was a there was a greater energy that showed when Hendon Hooker came in the game. It was very clear to me that everybody thought Hendon Hooker should have gotten that job over Josh Heupel. And just something as simple as last year, I remember you on the Vol report with Cooper Mays, Dave, and Cooper Mays saying that. When Hendon Hooker fumbled that ball against South Carolina, he did not even look for the ball to recover. He turned back to see if Hendon Hooker was okay, first and foremost. I mean, the team just loved Hendon Hooker that much. And Josh Heupel lost the team by not naming him the starter. 
And so, I mean, look, it's, I still think Joe Milton will be remembered fondly, but he did enter Tennessee in a way that did not have the respect of the locker room. And he may have left in a way that didn't have the full respect of the locker room. I mean, that's maybe that's unfair to say, but that's how it's happening. Yeah. Good stuff. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Uh, Coming back, we'll continue to discuss this news. Just breaking that uh, Nico will be apparently your starter. Uh, this according to on three for the citrus bowl we'll continue to discuss more he's caleb calhoun i'm dave hooker this is a presentation of off the hook sports portions of the program brought to you by our friends at apex apparel group design brand market your way unique products to promote your business with unparalleled customer service called tyler right below at 865-919-3001-865-919-3001 or go to apexapparelgroup.com Back in two minutes. Off the hook sports. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. All right, so if you're just joining us live here, we certainly appreciate that. We're live each and every weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, and then we'll uh, leave that on the YouTuber and cut it up into the pieces so you can see what you really want to hear about. So, But if you want to listen live and be a part of the community, we'd love that at 10 a.m. Eastern time. The show represented by Banks and Jones, banksandjones.com, Tennessee's trial attorney. And he is uh, scheduled to join us here in just a little bit. So we are uh, working with the news by on three that Joe Milton has uh, opted out of the bowl game after being in practice. This is the biggest head scratcher for you since uh, what, um, Caleb? Because why in the world would you go out there and practice and you open yourself up for injury if you're going to opt out anyway? 
So we discussed that possible whys, but just from the get, this wasn't well thought out. If you're going to go out there and practice, there should <clears throat> there should be nothing in the realm of possibility that would cause you to rethink your position that you're going to play because you have just put yourself at risk of injury for a week's worth of game simulation practices. That's not real smart. Yeah, this is... David Cutcliffe had a saying one time, and he said it when Peyton Manning chose Tennessee over Ole Miss, and he said this, and he said, you can't be a... This is exact quote. You can't be a namby-pamby decision maker and be a good quarterback. You got to make a decision and do it like hell. And that's kind of the reverse of Joe Milton, isn't it? Where he's not like, like for, I, I don't think t- choosing Tennessee was an easy choice for Peyton Manning over Ole Miss, but once he cho- he's one that once he chooses it, he's all in, right? And Joe Milton seems the type where he can't be all in even when he makes a decision. And so, yeah, that's kind of an issue. I don't think anybody handled this well, though. I'm going to be honest, Josh Heupel, if what you're saying is true, Josh Heupel should have told Joe Milton, you have till Christmas to make your decision. And if you don't make your decision, I'm just going to make it for you. And that's it. And like, you'll you let him make the trip to Florida. That's, that's what blows me all away on that. And you let, I mean, they started practicing in Florida yesterday, didn't they? Uh, yes. I mean, they've, um, I would imagine that they held a morning practice and, this news leaked out when some of the guys talked to the the players. So I'm imagining that uh, Joe Milton was not at practice. I mean, we do want to credit Brent with uh, breaking this at on three. So, but I don't see a lot of specifics as to whether or not he um, went out there and, and practiced. Um, and listen, Joe Milton wanted to play. This is a situation where you've kind of painted yourself in a corner, being a Florida guy and talking about how you don't lose at Florida. So I think had this game been in Charlotte, either belt bowl or whatever they used to call it, I don't think Joe Milton would have pushed himself as hard to be the starting quarterback for this football team. I think the fact that it was in Florida affected his decision, which isn't a good reason to have your decision affected at all. But I do think it was a factor. Shouldn't have been, but it was. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think it was. I think this is, um, and this has been the issue with Joe the whole time. Just the indecisiveness has consistently been something that has plagued Tennessee throughout his time. I think Joe Milton, it, again, this, I guess you either have it or you, you don't when it comes to decisiveness. But this is the closest thing to this. This is way more dramatic, way more dramatic. This had to do with the whole future of the program, but it just felt like, 92 Tennessee with Fulmer and majors and that whole split that we've talked about for years. You know, I remember he Shuler saying that the team got split because they didn't know who to follow as a coach. And it just seemed like the team didn't know who to follow as a quarterback in this situation. And so, yeah, I, I think this is a, this is a failure of handling by a lot of people. And I mean, I, I it's weird. You, you know, we're talking, we should be talking about the excitement of Nico playing in the bowl game. And Dave, I'm more baffled by just how this was a such a failure of leadership in so many ways. I mean, this is a knock on Hypel that this wasn't handled better, isn't it? It's a knock on Hypel for the past few months. Um, I think that the leadership was very clear previously. It was Hypel number one, Hooker number two, everybody else that filters through. 
I think that Josh Heupel wasn't uh, genuine with himself. I think at some point during or before the season, he saw that Nico was a better option at quarterback, but that was incredibly tough to do to make, to pull that trigger when Milton was very liked and you were getting by and you were getting to an eight win season. Um, I think there were a lot of factors that went into that and is it an indictment of leadership? Yes, to some extent it is. I don't think you put your best player for a good portion of the season um, out on the field and therefore didn't give your your team its best chance to win for a good portion of the season. That's been my stance all along. I think you can back me on that, Caleb, so I'm not just trying to throw leaves on a, a bonfire here. I believe that has been the case for quite some time. Yeah, that's been your stance. I, I disagree with that stance. I'm going to be honest. I, I think that Hypo was trying to get Nico in football shape. And I think he did feel that it, I think the only way that Nico was going to get the start was if Nico was definitively better than Joe. And I don't think there was any point in the season where Nico was definitively better than Joe yet until maybe November came along. And so I, I think it was, I think it was close enough where Joe Milton had the locker room. It was worth this one year transition year to go from Joe to Nico. It's, you know, historically that has worked out in the past. And so I think that I don't think it was an issue to start Joe Milton throughout the year, but I do think it was an issue to not be totally sure of what to do with Joe Milton and in the postseason. And look, this is not guys. Hypels. I I will say this, whether you agree with me or Dave on that, what's very clear. And we're going to have to point this out. I, I'm a fan of Heibel's play calling. I know you disagree with me on his play calling this year and a couple of games. I have no problem with some of the play calls he made. But, I, but what I think is very clear is Heibel's offseason and non-game decision-making is starting to be very questionable. I mean, we're talking about a guy who watched Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker and made the decision to start Joe Milton in September of 2021 when it was very obvious to everybody that Hendon Hooker was better. We're talking about a guy who... This past offseason, you know this, Dave, we have to say to a certain degree mishandled the Cooper Mays injury, didn't he? By not having him get surgery in April? Or not letting him get surgery in April? Yeah, uh, Yes, I thought that Cooper Mays should have probably had surgery earlier and they should have detected that. Yeah, so you're talking about the overall management of the entire we, program? We have to start asking about Joe Biden. Joe, Joe Biden, listen to me. Josh Heupel's management of the roster. Yes, we have to ask about Josh Heupel's management of the roster. And I, I I think that's a very fair statement to make because while Josh Heupel's an amazing play caller, he has missed on a lot of talent and he's mismanaged his roster in a lot of different ways. Yeah, fair point. We'll have more on this as, again, uh, just breaking news reported by uh, on three just moments ago, Joe Milton will forego the bowl game. So he's uh, off to the NFL. That means the Nico era begins. T Scott Jones, Banks and Jones joins us now. Look at this guy with his power T hat on. You're ready for Nico time, aren't you? Absolutely. I tell you what, you know, I mean, earlier the better. Let's see what the young man can do and let's go pull a big win for the Vols. Yep. I think it's got the excitement up. So we wanted to have you on about this, uh, uh, Florida State and ACC getting involved in a legal battle as to the future of both that program and that conference. Can you give us kind of a big picture view of how this uh, sport can find its way into a legal setting? 
Well, you know, basically when a football team, a program uh, such as, uh, you know, what we're dealing with here enters into an agreement with a conference, that's a contract. And, you know, we talk about the media rights and everything else because let's face it, I mean, that's great, great revenues, uh, gate revenues are, are wonderful, but the big money is in all the media. And so they've got contracts with ESPN and they have, if you will, per conference member payouts associated with that. So as I understand, they've been a member for approximately 30 years. Uh, they just basically had a double down and entered into an agreement uh, with the conference. And so there are going to be repercussions for uh, breaking that. You know, I mean, it is going to be a painful check writing, I think, on the uh, part of the university in order to break that contract. I don't think there's going to be just a, hey, you know what, you guys go on your way type situation. And I think they know that. I think their allegations with regards to uh, the ACC's failure to fulfill uh, fall or are going to fall somewhat on deaf ears. So, uh, so yeah, uh, that's where I kind of wanted to go with it because Florida state is citing that they are saying they were, that there was a level of coercion into the grant of rights agreement in 2013, I believe was when it was signed. I don't know what proof they have of that or if there is any. And also in these situations with teams and conferences, can it be considered a breach of contract if the conference says they're going to look out for you and then they do they make a lot of missteps that clearly does not look out for the best interests of their teams in the conference when they fall so significantly behind the SEC and the Big Ten? Can you can you call that a breach of contract in in court? I think you can, and I think you're going to see an attempt by FSU to do that to say basically the ACC did not perform up to expectations. But then again, I mean – you're comparing yourself to the SEC. And I mean, you know, albeit obviously I'm a big all sport fan, but I mean, the SEC has been the ringleader for a long time. So, you know, it's tough to catch up to the GOAT. But that being said, I, I don't know. I mean, what is going to be considered substantive performance? I mean, uh, you know, the SEC uh, has to, in my opinion, done a reasonable job. Has it fell such that it falls below expectations? I don't know. I mean, I see that sort of you know, litigated out in a court of law and you got to realize a judge is going to look at it and they're going to make a determination about what the conference did and they're going to look at it from a reasonable man or reasonable woman standard as opposed to just a standard of basically FSU's whine about the situation. Yeah, and you have to love the powers that be like the NCAA and bowl committees and such that say uh, they, they take as much of their time as they want to but then they kind of put Florida State in this position with whether or not they should have made the playoff. I, I just wonder what they can get out of this, even if they were to win big in court tomorrow. I mean, what can they what can they gain here? I don't know that they really gain much of anything. And I mean, honestly, I think it's more of a loss of credibility. I think, you know, if you want to leave a conference, you leave in a conference in the appropriate way. I mean, I think it was a 240% buyout. I mean, the last that I read relative to what they were going to have to do as far as revenues. So it's going to be expensive, but there's a right way and a wrong way. Trying to litigate your way out of it, I don't know, is necessarily uh, the best course. I mean, you know, frankly, being an attorney, obviously, you know, the attorneys are going to make some money out of it. It's going to be ugly in court. There are going to be a lot of allegations thrown uh, back and forth. And I guess you're going to basically see what equates to a high-dollar divorce, but it's, it's going to be a university and a conference divorcing. So um, let's uh, – thinking about this from a breach of contract standpoint, one of the things I just wanted to bring up Florida State cited was 
the ACC, the coercion under the grant of rights, and the fact that they gave ESPN, I will say this is the worst deal I think I've ever seen in sports, where they had that contract with ESPN through 2036, but allowed ESPN to opt out in 2027 if they wanted to. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, doesn't Florida State somewhat have an argument at that point to say, well, you guys did, yes, you may not have had to get the SEC deal, but that's one of the worst deals in television broadcasting rights history that they signed. And couldn't they at least make that argument to a certain to a judge? I think they can, but I mean, again, you know, is it a, you know, just because you enter into a bad agreement, is that a breach of contract? You know, I mean, honestly, I hate to sit there and say it. You know, I learned a long time ago. We had a chancellor in Knox County, and she said, you know, there's no law against being stupid. So that being said, I mean, I hate to sit there and say that, and I'm not intimating that whoever entered into that agreement, but, you know, today's dollars, they may not look so rosy on down the road. And so uh, when you have that type of a uh, situation and somebody enters into that type of agreement, you know, I mean, was that not just kudos for ESPN and uh, booze for FSU and for the ACC? I mean, I, at some point in time, I mean, you have two adults – i.e., albeit their entities uh, with equal bargaining power, and they bargain and they make a bad deal. I mean, they knew that a long time ago when that deal was done with uh, ESPN. And only now, when it becomes relevant, when they have this uh, fabulous season, uh, do they sort of whine about it. I mean, they've enjoyed sort of being the big dog in the conference, in a conference that has basically devolved into what, you know, I mean, I hate to sit there and, you know, bust them, but I mean, they've become mid major. No, uh, yeah. you're exactly right. Uh, T. Scott Jones with uh, Banks and Jones. Uh, can, can you tell us uh, what makes you guys different? I know because I've had a chance to visit with you guys when it comes to uh, personal liability or criminal defense. You guys absolutely go the extra mile and you go to trial, which a lot of attorneys don't do. Well, I mean, I think that's sort of the key. I mean, the reality of it is we're always here. We're always working. I mean, you know, albeit this is sort of the break between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, we always try to be responsive, answer the phone, respond to our clients' uh, needs and inquiries because it just doesn't always happen Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and you got to be there for folks. And if you have a reputation that you will take these matters to trial, you're going to get a substantively better recovery, i.e. if it's a, a contract case or something of that nature or a personal injury case or in a criminal defense type situation. I mean, you know, you don't have to always be in there, you know, if you will, hat in hand offering, uh, you know, hey, what will you give me? So, I mean, we try to basically be in a position where it's not necessarily aggressive or it's ugly aggressive, but we're ready to go to trial if necessary. Awesome stuff. I know that you're with the family uh, over this holiday. Merry Christmas to you. We certainly appreciate you, Mr. Jones, and have a safe trip and enjoy the fam. All right. Merry Christmas from the Dominican. Take Merry care. Christmas. There you go. I appreciate it. Look at that guy. They go fast. You got to enjoy that time with the family. You certainly do. All right. So your thoughts on where this ends up, Caleb, with uh, Florida State and, and the ACC. I think that at the end, it's not necessarily about where Florida State wants to go. It's where they don't want to be. It's exactly what it is. It's where they they don't want to be in the ACC. They're taking a leap that the SEC or the Big Ten would come calling if they left. Now, you and I know Florida would fight tooth and nail every turn for them to try to get in the SEC, but I think the rest of the the school would still be behind it. It's not like Texas A&M had any power to stop Texas getting into the SEC. So I, I think that... Here's what's here's what's key on this, Dave. Um, there are 
Florida and North Carolina, because, you know, Florida State's headquartered in Florida. The ACC is headquartered in North Carolina. They're both suing. Where is this case going to be? Is it going to be in Florida or is it going to be in North Carolina? I mean, that's a big deal. And they, you know, you know, they obviously want to get it in their different spots. But both states have non-compete clauses, which is to say, within those non-compete clauses, you can't you can't be forced to honor a contract if it limits trade to a certain degree. So, like, could Florida State say us honoring this contract with the ACC is limiting trade in Florida because it's ma- it's minimizing our revenue potential by going to the SEC or wherever? They might be able to say that. What they could also say is that. Look, Dave, let's be honest. Greg Sinke, wasn't he out like in the beginning of November screaming that the SEC champion should get into the playoff no matter what? Yes. Well, he he was screaming that no matter – he was screaming that somebody needs to get in there, even if it's – Yes. Yes. The winner of the the, SEC championship game would be the SEC champion but wouldn't be the favorite. Yes. Right. Did you hear ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips say one word on behalf of Florida State the whole time? Uh, no, I wouldn't, wouldn't think he would, he would. Well, this is Florida state's argument. The ACC said that they would like go part of their contract is they would do everything within their power to look out for the schools. Well, if Jim Phillips is not saying a word on behalf of Florida state and Greg Sinke is saying everything to, he's screaming everything he can on behalf of his programs, you can make a legitimate argument that Jim Phillips is not doing what he can do on behalf of Florida state. And then on top of that, they could maybe uh, they now this wasn't in the lawsuit, but they could also maybe use the argument that I don't know if you saw this. They basically said that by adding FSU, Cal, and Stanford, they hurt the competitive balance of of uh, the ACC, which is a breach of contracts because they basically said those schools suck. <laughs> so, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's what I'm going to do, because I know this has been your big topic as uh, Tennessee now knows that uh, Nico instead of Joe Milton will take the start. So I want to ask you, uh, we're going to reset today's stuff questions on our YouTube page. Please vote. So here, uh, here's what I think of Nico's Heisman chances. Number one, in the bag, needs some help. Number three, long shot. Number four, I'm going to make not going to happen. That could be for another uh, number of reasons. One, that you don't like the Heisman Trophy because of what it did to Johnny Majors and what it did to Peyton Manning. So I'm going to leave that open. You know, as I did that broad, Caleb. And the other uh, would be not going to happen just because he's a first-year starter. So I didn't I didn't paint myself in a corner to help me with your voting because I think people are going to be excited. So go on there right now. As we now know, again, if you're just tuning in, that Nico will be your starter. The Joe Milton era is extremely over. Um, things that undermine Joe Milton, one that we don't talk about a lot is Alex Golish. Um, should we talk more about that before we get into Nico's Heisman chances in 2024? No, because Alex Golish was offensive coordinator when we saw Joe Milton start in 2021 and he wasn't good when he started for Alex Golish. I mean, Joe Milton is just who we thought he was, who we, Joe Milton is who everybody was concerned he was at the end of the Orange Bowl last year. 
And so I, I don't think Alex Golish was going to change all of that. People are going to tout Alex Golish played Alabama close because he only lost by two touchdowns. He lost 17 to three. Alex Golish is an offensive mind. And it was the defense that kept that game close. It's because Alabama couldn't figure out who their quarterback was going to be. So, and, and they just beat a Syracuse team that's undergoing ch massive changes. So I don't necessarily put it. Guys, this is Josh Heupel's offense. Josh Heupel didn't have Alex Golish when he went undefeated at UCF in 2018. He didn't have Alex Golish when he was offensive coordinator at Missouri and Drew Locke set every SEC record in the books in 2016 and 2017. This is Josh Heupel's offense, not Alex Golish's. Well, so that sets us up perfectly. So you think that uh, Tennessee can have a monster year offensively. And given these options, where do you stand? Because they're on our YouTube page right now. Uh, here is what I think of Nico's Heisman chances. In the bag gets 22%. Uh, needs some help gets 42%. Long shot 32%. Not going to happen gets 5%. Uh, where would you be in that? Don't say in the bag. Sure, you don't want me to say in the bag? Because I was going in the bag. I was going in the bag, guys. I'm staking everything. Guys, bet everything you have on Nico winning the Heisman. Bet your house. Do it. Do it, but don't you? You don't get to sue me if he doesn't win the Heisman and you bet your house. I take yes, no responsibility. Yeah, we're gonna have um, a, a T. Scott Jones at Banks and Jones is gonna be called with. I got this Caleb guy on YouTube telling me to bet my house on Nico, and now I've got a problem. What should I do? There's we are not. Res we at Off the Hook are not responsible for money you lose betting, regardless of the advice we give you. But bet the house on Nico winning the Heisman. I'm 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 dead serious, guys. This is in the bag. This guys, Dave is trying to shake his head. I was picking Nico to win the Heisman anyway. Dave was telling me that you know one of the big things in the cap is you need some hype going into the year, and that was his one reservation on Nico next year was Nico wouldn't have the hype going into the year. Well, now he's starting the Citrus Bowl, so tell me he's not going to have a chance to generate the hype going into next year. What happens, Dave, if Nico goes out and throws for like six touchdowns against Iowa? I think it helps your argument tremendously, and I actually think that's going to happen. I've said all along that I thought Tennessee's best chance to win was with Nico in the Citrus Bowl, not Joe. I haven't said that to try to incite any debate. I just think he's considerably better from what I've been told. I understand this is first game time real atmosphere, but I'm telling you, Tennessee is better off. Uh, they have a better chance of winning against a very, very good Iowa defense who's going to be caught unaware about how talented Nico is. So it does help your argument because let's not say 380 because this is a very good defense, but this is also an SEC offense. It's going to have a speed advantage at the skills no matter what. So I will tell you this, it helps your argument a great matter because some stupid Heisman voters are going to need some hype heading into the season. I think they're going to get that in tune of about 260 to 280 yards passing. Uh, it's going to be, I believe, highly efficient. I think you're going to be talking about an 18 out of 26 passing top of day. I don't think you're going to see turnovers. I think he's going to play really, really well. And I think you guys are going to see why <clears throat> I've been one of those guys that said I'd probably make the transition sooner rather than later. But he doesn't have to throw for 300 against his offense to have a fantastic day against or against his defense, have a fantastic day against Iowa. I mean, you could throw for 300 yards and have one of the best days of any quarterback in bowl play, right? Yeah, easily. And for those who don't know, sometimes the Citrus, the Citrus Bowl has been the catalyst for a Heisman campaign in the past. Peyton Manning's 97 Heisman campaign 
came after he threw for a bowl game record 408 yards against Northwestern in the 97 Citrus Bowl. You probably remember that one, Dave, where Manning just went off. Um, I am a little bit different from you in only in the sense of I don't think Iowa's defense has been tested at all, particularly um, through the air. um, Because you think Nico could have a big day. Okay, let's let's talk about the two. Uh, let's talk about the two decent Power Five teams Iowa played this year, and they played two that actually have any sort of offense. That was Penn State and Michigan. Now, neither threw for two hundred yards, but Dave, Penn State and Michigan aren't passing pass oriented teams. You watch Michigan this year with um, JJ McCarthy. Uh, let's be honest, JJ McCarthy were asked to actually run an offense in a pass oriented offense. Michigan wouldn't be good. He's asked to hand the ball off and watch, right? He's the most game manager quarterback ever of a power team in college football in recent years. So do we not think that, again, this is going to be the first offense that he's faced where the quarterback that's actually good and the quarterback is actually the feature of the offense at the power five level. I don't think I'll – and by the way, they did lose 31 to nothing to Penn State. They lost 26 to nothing to Michigan. So I'm just wondering, are we sure? I don't think – I'm just going to say it. Um, I don't think Iowa's and, – and no, I'm not trying to do it because of their race because that salt was brought up earlier. I've watched Iowa play. I don't think their cornerbacks are fast enough to guard Tennessee's receivers. I just don't. And They're probably not. Yeah. I mean, this has the feel that you're going into it through name programs on entirely different levels. Don't get me wrong. But like the Michigan – remember the Michigan-Tennessee 2001 Citrus Bowl where Tennessee just yes. ran past – just was – intrinsically organically whatever word you want to use naturally faster than michigan it has a setup for that feel it also had a setup and i was going to share this today i had a setup for a dud um bowl game for for i thought tennessee's players as well as its as its fans i didn't think tennessee was going to travel great to orlando still probably won't travel great i don't know that people are, are changing their opinions completely based off of the joe milton announcement again if you're just joining this Joe Milton announced uh, via on three and now confirmed to multiple spots that he will not participate in the bowl game. I thought it was going to be a dud game for Tennessee, partly because they weren't sure, sure who their quarterback should be. I thought that was a factor. So now you don't have that factor in there. I think you've got a good week. I think Tennessee would have been better off if they knew 10 days ago that Joe Milton wasn't playing, but they at least know now and they at least know with a full game week to get under their belt and i think nico will will play incredibly well but since we have gone down the path of whether or not he'll win a heisman i just don't think he's going to have that opportunity when you look at the the number of contenders for next year and caleb's not saying this is uh uh, skip bayless uh way to get clicks or opinions he he really believes this i ask him off the air so um, that, that's, that's pretty strong. I mean, he's not joking. Um, uh, by the way, so, oh, I thought somebody said they already put 150 on it. I'm not putting any money on Nico for Heisman, but it depends on the odds. Maybe a hundred dollars. If it's uh 25,000, if it's 25 to one, like it probably will be with futures odds, man, put that money down, throw it, throw it down. Okay. Um, throw it all down. Nico will be. And, and guys, I, I'm going to bring up a history thing real quick. And I'm, I'm not trying to do a shameless plug. I touch on this with my SEC bias video history that ha- that I dropped a couple of days ago. 
the concept that look 97 was a unique year where yes voters had a bias in which they chose charles woodson because as you talked about dave people were just resentful of the season-long hype behind peyton manning i don't think there is I, i'm just gonna say this and dave am i crazy you worked at ASPN. do voters really have a specific hatred to tennessee like oh i just can't let tennessee have a heisman i don't think voters are thinking that way i think there's so many that doesn't mean they get the heisman right all the time that doesn't mean they're not going to screw tennessee players out of the heisman but I don't think they have a secret smoke-filled room agenda to make sure a Tennessee player never wins the Heisman, guys. Okay, I think 97, there were other factors involved that led to Charles Woodson winning the Heisman. Um, it, the, you know, the media had grown bored with the favorite winning every year. That just happened to be the year. So I I don't think Nico, I don't think playing at Tennessee will be the reason Nico doesn't win the Heisman next year. Is that fair to say, Dave? Yeah, I don't think that's the reason at all. I think it's been a bad situation twice and and that Tennessee hasn't won the Heisman and should have with uh, majors, and particularly Manning. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know everything, a single thing about what went into the majors issue, but Manning should have won the Heisman. There's no question about it. So, um, And I think that Hooker not getting an invite that Roger points out, or David, he's got two first names, so I'm not sure. Um I think that was partly due to injury and he would have been invited. He would have been one of the guys that was going to be invited to the Heisman finalist ceremony had he not gotten hurt against South Carolina. So I don't think there's any sort of bias there. I mean, why would you take a guy that was borderline to make it anyway, a borderline to win it? I don't know why you would take a guy at that point. So, all right, Caleb. So the question I wanted to uh, dive into now, is there more or less pressure for, uh, for Nico as he starts the as he starts the the Citrus Bowl. I mean, there's a ton of pressure for him, isn't there? It's the reverse of last year. Remember, we went into last year's Orange Bowl not believing in Joe Milton, and all the players were kind of just telling us they were saying, "We know Joe Milton's going to ball out. We know he's going to play well. Y'all don't know what you're watching." And then Joe Milton shocked us all. We're going into this one thinking Nico's the future. And we're re- and everybody's ready to see him put up, you know, Peyton Manning like numbers in his first game. I mean, I'm not saying that's fair, but I think the pressure on Nico is through the roof. And here's the other point: it's a great test for Nico because of that. Because what we saw with Joe Milton is Joe Milton actually can perform well when nobody's expecting anything of him, and it there's a lot less pressure, honestly, when you're not expected to do well. Nico's coming in, and everybody's going to expect him to do well next year, no matter what. So this is a chance for him to show what he can do with expectations. And I think we sometimes I think we sometimes underrate expectations. Uh and, and what I mean by that is or a clutch team with expectations. You know, everybody says Tom Brady was a more clutch quarterback than Peyton Manning. But Dave, for most of his career, Tom Brady operated with less pressure than Peyton, right? Because Tom Brady didn't have the expectations of being great. He was a six-round draft pick. And whereas Peyton Manning immediately was expected to always be great. I say the same people said for years, LeBron wasn't clutching the NBA, but it's like the guy was considered the greatest generational prospect from ninth grade. He was expected to be great. No one dealt with that kind of pressure ever. Nico's dealing with that type of pressure at Tennessee's level, as opposed to Joe Milton, who was not dealing with that type of pressure going into last year. And once that type of pressure came down on him, he didn't necessarily live up to it. This is a great test, right, to see how you handle expectations because I think everybody's already expecting Nico. I am. I've already said it. I'm expecting Nico to to finish his career as the greatest statistical quarterback in the history of Tennessee football. You're muted, Dave. You're muted. 
Dave, your mic is muted. Still can't That's that is where uh, Nico's legacy lies. The question is, what will Joe Milton's legacy be uh, at this point? Yeah, he's told his team he's not going to play with a few days before the bowl game. I didn't think that was a particularly good play on his part. Uh, He hasn't lived up to expectations, and they were mighty. Um, Guys, I I think his legacy is is going to be one of potential unfulfilled, which isn't fair because I think potential is the ability to have accuracy, not just throw the ball long, but I think people are going to look at his big arm and his physical ability and say that it's potential unfulfilled. I do think that the way he's leaving now does not help his, um, does not help his persona in Tennessee fans of your bolting. Now. I don't think, I don't think he played this thing right. I think he was leaning. I think he was 60-40, wasn't going to play the whole time, and something pushed him over the edge, or he just realized the game was getting close and he had to do something. So how will he be remembered, Caleb? I think he'll be remembered. I mean, I don't want to say, like, finally, like, he was great, but I think he'll be respected. I mean, look, I think if he comes back next year, people are going to give him a standing ovation and cheer the way they do a former – maybe not a standing ovation. People will clap and cheer for him the way they do other quarterbacks. I mean, this isn't like – let me put it this way. Because I, I, I pile on him a lot, Dave. Let's do an experiment. Next year, Tyler Bray comes back for a game. Joe Milton comes back for a game. Guarantee you Joe Milton gets louder cheers than Tyler Bray. Guarantee you 100%. Um, yeah, but should he? I mean, Ty- yeah, Tyler cool. Bray, when you consider the coaching, did as much with less than Joe Milton did. Not, not with less. Tyler less Bray had coaching, less coaching. Less well, Jim edgy. Chaney wasn't a bad offensive coordinator. The okay, hell? Oh, was... this is this comparing. Wait a minute. It's... Wait a minute. Tyler Bray had four NFL offensive linemen, and he was throwing to Corderell Patterson and Justin Hunter and Derek Rogers. No, no, no. I'm talking about the entire program. The entire from coaching, di- discipline, lack thereof. He should have been sat on the bench the first time he threw bottles, beer bottles. I mean that. That to so me, to even so being in, I, I credit the guy with being even having the maturity to be an NFL player after he received no guidance at Tennessee. That's what I mean with more with less. Um, I don't think he, I'm not even talking about the players he played with. I'm just talking about there was a goofball at practice every day. There was, but I'm and it was also the head, and, that, and it was the head coach. I also watched a player, I also watched him throw a game. Like straight up. Well, a game. that's debatable. I mean, if you could prove that, yes, I will retract everything I said. But I can't. You don't think you don't think he and Derek Rogers threw that Kentucky game in 2011? Probably. I mean, that was that. that that's the thing. It's you, so. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody ever. I don't think Joe Milton ever walked into a game saying, "I don't care to play this game." I'm just going to be honest. I don't think he ever walked into a game saying, "I don't care to play this game." Good point. It's a really and, good point. Yeah. Now, if you want to give a break to someone who had bad coaching and was and was sabotaged, I could give you somebody like a Jared Garantano who dealt with it. But Tyler Bray was as much responsible for that downfall as Derek Dooley was for Tyler Bray's own downfall. Okay, because Tyler Bray, again, when we're comparing talent here, Tyler Bray is the most talented quarterback to ever take a snap at Tennessee, talent wise. Oh, I wouldn't get that far, but I see. I would. I see. I would. Is Joe Milton? Remembered as a lovable loser. Let me ask you that. It's brought to you by no, the Hemp he... House, Premier Hemp Dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Go to Hemp House, chat with two T's, 
Hemphouse.com, HempHouseChat with two Ts.com. Lovable loser status? No, that's too far. There are other quarterbacks that have lost more at Tennessee that are more respected than that, that are still respected. I mean, again, Jimmy Streeter made one bowl game and people always loved him and welcomed him back. And I mean, yes, that was at a period with Johnny Majors and the program was really down and it was being rebuilt, but he was, I mean, Alan Cockrell, another respected quarterback. Jeff Francis was the starting quarterback on the uh, team that started 0 and 6, right? And finished 5 and 6. Um, I think that Jeff Francis is a lovable loser because of that year. I wasn't going to bring up Jeff's name, but particularly. But like, people I mean, like Jeff. Travis, that wasn't I'm Jeff Francis' fault. He'll be remembered. I'm not kicking him at all. How will he be remembered? I think he'll be remembered fondly as a guy that was loyal to Tennessee, as a guy who's respected, and a guy who, I mean, yes, he did. He did. He have the season. Maybe he wanted at Tennessee. No, is it? I mean, guys, look at Tennessee's history the last fifty years. Joe Milton's record this year is pretty much par for the course, or better than average for a Tennessee season. I mean, he he did. Well, White Lightning is saying Joe is leaving with a winning record, so not a loser. But of all the I mean, of the 133 starting quarterbacks in college football, how many could have gotten Tennessee to an eight and four record? Uh, Better than half. Probably more than half. You're right. But again, of the Tennessee quarterbacks in the last 20 years, okay, look, I mean, they were talking about, you know, Jared Garantano had a losing record. Tyler Bray had a losing record. Um, Rick Clawson had a losing record. Jonathan Crompton had a losing record. I mean, I'm naming quarterbacks that had losing records as starting quarterbacks at Tennessee. I don't know if Crompton had one for sure because I don't think he started every loss in 2008, but it was like right around five. Joe Milton had a better record than everybody I just named as a quarterback. And now you are right. There is supporting cast. I mean, you and I talk about that all the time. People like Crompton was not, he was, Crompton was dealt a bad hand. Um, so was Garantano. But okay, still. I love this. What do you all think of Andy Kelly? I love Andy Kelly. For the exact opposite reasons that a lot of you don't like Joe Milton. I think Andy Kelly maximized everything in his ability to become the best quarterback he he is he could be. And he's the all-time leader. I know it's the indoor passing league, but he's an all-time leader in that. Um, he actually got paid a couple of paychecks, like in the six-digit ranges, which is not easy in indoor football. So... I got a lot of love for the legacy of Andy Kelly. He just happened to have a bunch of NFL players playing around him and he wasn't quite that good. Yeah, no, Andy Kelly, I have no, no, Andy and Andy Kelly, by the way, had the best attitude about it too. Andy Kelly knew what he was as a quarterback. He respected his players. He, he respect, he's, you know who he is. Here's my Andy Kelly. Andy Kelly to me, you ready for this, Dave? He's the anti AJ McCarron. You know, AJ McCarron was a total game manager, but thought he was the reason for Alabama success. Um, yes, but I could say the anti Joe Morton, uh, Joe Milton, right now. No, because I don't think Joe Milton ability. was that. Yeah, but Joe Milton was a decent leader in person. I said AJ McCarron because AJ McCarron just a terrible person and an arrogant, like thinks he, you know, thinks he actually accomplished something winning at Alabama. When you want to talk about any, how many quarterbacks could have won at Alabama during that time, okay? So Andy Kelly was very aware of who he was, and yes, he had NFL talent. But the other point that Andy Kelly had was. He was a leader, too. He did galvanize that talent to maximize its potential during that time period. Um, I've said before, and this sounds crazy, 
I would take Andy Kelly for the remainder of my football program. Whatever program I ran as the athletic director, I know I'm going to get a B plus. I know I'm not going to get any lower than a C ever. And I know that I might get an A plus every once in a while, a la the comeback at, at Notre Dame. That, that was, you're right. I, if you could have Andy Kelly for the rest of your athletic department's life, you could be in worse shape, could you not? Well, I I kind of agree that Notre Dame <laughs> about that, Dave. Uh, one of the reasons Tennessee struggled with Alabama in the early 90s with the Stallings era, I kind of went back and watched old games. Philip Fulmer and the offensive staff, had it, they were like dumbfounded on how to deal with the blitz. So uh, Stallings had the old philosophy of like run a 4-4 and just bring eight guys every time. And so the Notre Dame game with the comeback, you remember the play that was, that was called, right? The screen pass to Aaron Hayden that set up, that was the touchdown. Yes. If you go back and read the press clippings and hear Johnny majors and Philip Fulmer talk about it, it is talked about like it was the most brilliant call of all time. Like, Oh, Notre Dame kept blitzing. And it was just this genius call to do a screen. Well, why didn't you do the screen like five plays earlier? It shouldn't have been that genius of a call. It should have been an obvious call. Shouldn't it? <laughs> like, no, sure. And yes, we do know that Nico is going to be the starter for the Citrus Bowl. That's what we've been talking about and how that affects uh, Joe Milton's legacy. I don't think it leaves it in any way different shape, but I think letting Tennessee know earlier in the process during this bowl preparation would have been big. I can't believe they didn't know who their starting quarterback was. And I'm going to pat us on the back. We were all over it on off the hook sports. If they lose portions wait, of the I program. Have, I have a question. Yes. If they lose, do you think it more negatively impacts Joe Milton's legacy because you think people will blame him for them losing, for not opting out later? No-win situation, I'll tell you why. Brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler looking for an affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, the Tennessee tradition? RickTerryJewelry.com, RickTerryJewelry.com. Here's why, because Caleb, if he goes out there and loses – then he loses, Joe Milton does, and we know that he's not going to be the starter now in the Citrus Bowl, but he loses against a good Iowa defense, and he was not that good, so blah. That was my point the whole time. If he goes out there and wins, it's still going to be blah. because it's No, be I'm like not talking about Joe Milton. No, no, I know, I'm getting there, but it's still like 23 okay. to 20. Now, let me get to Nico. If he goes, goes out there and loses, everybody loves Nico. It's simple you're going to have every Tennessee fan point to Joe Milton and say he should have let them know earlier, which is what we've been saying the whole time. So that uh, Nico could have gotten more first team reps. And I've seen it on our message board. It's been reported that he's gotten all the first team reps. That's not true. They've been split about 50, 50 um, throughout the season. So I don't doubt that Nico is ready to play, but that'll be the narrative. If Tennessee loses to the Hawkeyes. Yes. And if he wins people and plays well, everybody's going to say, Oh, Joe Milton never should have played. So Joe's in a lose-lose no matter what, right? If, if Tennessee wins, people are going to be people are going to look back and say Joe never should have played to begin with. And if Tennessee loses, everybody's going to blame Joe. That's just pretty much how it's going to end, right? Yeah. Uh, now, now, me drinker, I, I appreciate where you're coming from on this, but he says Heupel is playing chess. They knew internally they did not. I can confirm, but they did not know internally as of Friday. Now, I took some time off for the birth of our Lord and Savior, so I'm not exactly sure what happened over Christmas other than Merry Christmas. I didn't hear from any of my sources on Christmas. But I can tell you that as of Friday, that there was internal questions about who was going to play, and that's not what you needed. Uh, that's not what you needed at all. Now, <clears throat> Joe Milton, when we talk about his legacy, 
how much will it be affected by what he's able to do in the NFL? And I got some pretty strong thoughts on that. Sports Treasures carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia. Daily updates, go to facebook.com, Sports Treasures TN, that's Sports Treasures TN. I don't think it's a lock that he's getting drafted high in the NFL. Uh, like Anthony Richardson, who he's so oftentimes compared to. Richardson is a better runner, has slightly more touch, not a lot on his ball. But I don't think it's a lock that he gets drafted in the three, four round uh, scenario that a lot of people said, third or fourth. I don't think it's a lock he gets drafted at all. Does that sound crazy, Caleb Calhoun? No. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, there was an ESPN Plus article looking at the draft status of quarterbacks um, and Joe Milton is projected to not be drafted. That was just over the weekend at this moment. And I think the problem with Joe Milton with a lot of people is that, and this is our problem, Dave too. It's, it's hard as an analyst, typically. And this, this happens more often than not when there's a quarterback like Joe Milton and there's questions about him enter the, entering the season, you hope he either, shuts up those questions and balls out, or you hope he plays so bad it's obvious to bench him. Joe Milton didn't do either of those things, did he? Like, he was just kind of mid the whole year. And so I think it makes things a lot harder. Anthony Richardson, what people are going to give him a break on is, you've been critical of him, and if you've been critical of him, I think other people knew about it too, particularly among NFL scouts. I think people are going to look at Anthony Richardson versus Joe Milton, and they're going to say Anthony Richardson played for Billy Napier. Joe Milton played for... That's what they looked at last year. I think you weren't the only one who didn't think he had he he was all there at the, at the top. And I think people are going to look at Joe Milton and say, this guy played for Josh Heupel. And look at all the other quarterbacks who played for Josh Heupel and what they were able to do. And I, I think that's going to work against Joe, honestly. Whereas Anthony Richardson, again, are you really going to hold it against him for not putting up stats for Billy Napier and a rebuilding Florida team in 2021? Yeah. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Our five favorite minutes. We'll uh, pick that back up tomorrow. We look forward to that. And for Caleb, I'm Dave. Certainly appreciate your time. We'll be with you weekdays at 10 a.m. You can uh, certainly follow us on Twitter. Hit the like and subscribe button. We're trying to hit four grand before we get to the end of the month. So we're we're fighting for that. I don't know what's going to happen. We're fighting for it. Hit the like and subscribe button. Turn the notifications on. And you'll see the latest, including some great pieces that Caleb has I go back in history. You'll learn some stuff. I sure did. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.